All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the uh, Clubhouse Sports Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Frank Estrab, and we are going to... Uh, well, actually, first, let's welcome in, in Dan, who uh, is... I'm always confused with the term to, uh, to to call you, I guess. Sensei, master, coach, uh, what do you prefer? Instructor, what do you prefer? No, but just to introduce you as a, as a, uh, as to what you do for for us at the gym. Oh yeah, Coach Dan is fine. That's what uh, kept the kids call us. Kids can't classes, coach, so that works. Or just uh, you know, Dan Fazino, uh, the instructor over at Black Bulls Shoots in Westchester. Um, however you want to introduce this guy. Yeah, so that, that's uh, uh, Dan. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself further before we get into everything? I'm the head instructor and owner of Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu Westchester. I've been training in Jiu-Jitsu for about 10 years. Before that, I competed in Judo, uh, a little bit of college and high school wrestling. So I've been around grappling uh, most of my life. Uh, yeah, probably my favorite thing to do. All right, so uh, what we're going to do here today with Dan is first we'll ask him about uh, his operational and, and the business side of, of the gym uh, over at Black Hole and what his role is there uh, for a school project. And then we'll get to the fun stuff after that and we'll just kind of talk about jujitsu, uh, his career, and then I'll get, like I said, I'll just pick your brain about stuff. Um, but my, I guess my first question is uh, what are the positives and negatives of running an MMA? Well, actually, let's discuss, let's, uh, I want to ask you your role there. So you explain that. Um, for the audience, just what's your role at Black Hole other than coach? So as a business owner here, um, you know, when I, I started the gym, I didn't realize how much went into really running a business. I thought I would just show up and teach classes, but I mean, you're you're doing, you know, payroll, covering insurance, rent utilities, all of that. And then, you know, scheduling, making sure that all the classes are covered with instructors, you know, finding the curriculum for the kids program, the adults program, making sure that uh, everyone's going to be there, you know. There's uh, a lot more that goes into coaching and running the gym than just showing up and training. And I think that was the biggest change from, from being uh, someone who just trained the gym to running it is that you're kind of in charge of making sure everyone is training safely, making sure you don't get hurt, um, everyone's, you know, being included and having fun. You know, there's a lot more to it than uh, just showing up and getting your workout in. Yeah. So uh, we'll play off of that a little bit. What are some of the positive of, uh, positives and negatives of running it uh, here specifically? It's driven pretty locally. Uh, so uh, it's a small business. On, and on top of that, it's uh, I mean, you have the MMA aspect, jujitsu, and then you have the other classes. So uh, what does that kind of create for you? Uh, what are some of the positives and negatives like I said I mean the the cool thing about jiu-jitsu and running a gym locally like this is that you get to meet people from all walks of life you know I feel like if you don't if you're not involved in a business like this or even like even part of the gym um, you know a lot of the times you're working to be surrounded by people who are very like you whereas here at the gym you have a very little mix of people you know cops doctors teachers garbage men there's a mix of everyone, so you kind of get a lot of different perspectives, and there's a good sense of community here where, uh, you know, you get to really meet different people. 
I think that's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice. We have a bunch of other local business owners who train here at the gym. So, you know, everyone kind of supports each other and uh, helps each other out. Um, that's definitely a big part of it. Yeah. So uh, were you at all worried about, you know, as, as your history in martial arts, that um, a lot of what you see on, you know, the big MMA gyms is uh, like legit legitimacy of the coaches, their, their history. Uh, were you worried at all or were you pretty confident in what you were going to bring to the uh, area in that respect? Well, when I opened up here, um, there wasn't really a lot in the area, so I thought it was a good spot. I got lucky, you know, it was close to my house and there wasn't a lot of competition, but, uh, you know, before I got into teaching, I was competing a lot. I've mixed martial arts, uh, you know, won an amateur title, um, competed at the highest level in jiu-jitsu, you know, at, you know, brown belt, black belt, you know, won, uh, you know, a lot of matches. So I'm very confident in my ability as an instructor and a competitor. And, you know, I'm happy to be able to share that with the area. But I didn't really, I've never looked at it before, you know, this person has a world champion here teaching, you know, I can't compete with that. You know, it's always been about just sharing what I've learned throughout my journey in jiu-jitsu and all different grappling arts that have done and kind of doing it sharing with everybody else. So, you know, I think we have a strong program here. And I, no, I don't really worry about uh, other bigger gyms, you know, yeah, for the record, uh, I just asked that for the project. I be- I believe you completely, and I'm I'm bought in. Uh, uh, what you got? What you guys got going on? So so don't worry about that. What? Uh, so okay. Uh, what are the keys to marketing? Uh, do you use more social media? Are you promoting? You know, uh, on the local aspect, are you promoting in newspapers, online? Like, what are, what are some of your uh, what are some of your main tactics? Well, nowadays I feel like. Uh you kind of have to do a little bit of everything, you know? If you don't get out there and you're not running Google ads, Facebook ads, doing like, uh, even they do like children's um, events where there's a bunch of booths set up, you know, bringing mats there and doing demonstrations and getting kids involved, trying to get them to the kids program, you know, giving people an idea of what we do, you know, going on podcasts like this. There's a lot of different things that uh, you can do to really get the word out there. And then, uh, you know, as far as, online advertising a lot of that is you know it's just money putting money into google putting money into facebook you know working with people who really know how to design your ads and making sure that uh, you're reaching the groups you want but there's a lot to be said for just going out there and reaching out to your community you know doing things locally and uh getting the word out you know like i said earlier um you know we've got a lot of other local business owners here and i try to work with them and you know allow them to advertise in our space, bring pamphlets, you know, business cards, things like that. And they do the same for me. It works out great. You know, it's nice to be able to kind of help each other out. All right, moving on um, to, I guess we'll do this. Besides jujitsu, what else do you guys offer? um, And how does that benefit uh, the business and just the, the community of uh, community at the gym. I know we have uh, Blake doing wrestling. You know, there's Muay Thai, uh, Muay Thai classes, and then the kids classes uh, for uh, jujitsu. But um, yeah, I guess just talk about what you guys offer. Well, we have, uh, especially at the new spot, we've got a lot of space. So I feel like a gym like with this, you know, we started as just a jujitsu gym, but we have all the space, and we may as well fill it. So it's nice to be able to bring other martial arts into it. A lot of people who like uh, jiu-jitsu, who like coming in and grappling, 
half of them have a wrestling background to begin with, they still like to wrestle. You know, they haven't done wrestling since high school or college, and you know, it's nice to be able to combine wrestling in the program. Um, striking is the same, whether it's boxing, kickboxing, you know, it's nice to be able to run those type of classes here too, because a lot of it goes hand in hand, and a lot of the guys also want to fight MMA, so being able to provide boxing, kickboxing, you know, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, everything all together in the same spot and kind of build people up and get them ready for, you know, amateur world fights, um, all at our location is great, you know. It's uh, nice to be able to offer the complete package. Yeah, I think for um, me and my dad, you know, that's this place very close to home and we got lucky with the... Um, you know the the expertise and the knowledge that, that that you guys offer from from you down to Eddie down to down to everybody there even, like even just the, the students that that come you know hungry white belts you learn from everybody so it's, it's very convenient in that sense um let's move to uh oh yeah this is one thing that, that I think it will be good for the project um so oh, a lot of MMA gyms you, you hear um whether it's smoke screen or, or legit that they're like uh, concerns of sexism and you know the role of women but uh I don't, that's not the case at black hole i mean um just touch on you know the role aaron has at the gym because i think that's um important for you know that aspect of it i mean i think uh Aaron is a good example of what jiu-jitsu can bring to the entire community, but even just, you know, women who want to be empowered and be able to defend themselves. Um, you know, guys come in here on their first day and think they're tough and don't know what to expect rolling with a girl, and then Aaron throws them around the mat and rips their arm off, and it's kind of like an eye-opener that jiu-jitsu can be a big equalizer. You know, the time you put in here uh, really makes a big difference. You train hard, you work hard. It doesn't matter how big you are, how strong you are. If you learn the technique, you're going to be able to defend yourself, you know? And I think Aaron is the, you know, best example of that we have. You know, you have guys over 200 pounds come in here who had sports backgrounds in high school, sports backgrounds in college, and they think that uh, they're tough and they can defend themselves, and then they're in for a rude awakening sometimes. But, uh, you know, I think if there was going to be one, uh, you know, poster for the gym, somebody who, you know, what jiu-jitsu can do for them, Aaron is, is a good example. You know, we get a lot of new girls who come into the gym and they really look up there and they see her out there, you know, throwing guys around and tapping them out. And, uh, you know, they look at her and they think, you know, they want to be able to do that someday. So, it's, you know, it's been a real blessing to have her at the gym. Yeah. All right. So we'll wrap up here with the, the first uh, the segment here. Um, you touched on it when we started, but how do you balance, you know, training and coaching as opposed to the operational side of it? Uh... You know, it's, uh, it kind of all goes hand in hand, you know, the, uh, the operational side of things have to get done, otherwise we don't have the space to train in and coach in, but, um, you know, I, I work another job overnight, and I kind of just try to do everything as efficiently as I can, try to get it all done, and we, uh, you know, I get up, I have any business emails we have to do, any bills that need to get paid, all of that, plan out lessons, go to the gym, teach. Uh, kids class, you know, striking the wrestling adult class, and then dinner, go to work, and just do the next thing, you know, do it over again the next day. It's, uh, you know, all part of the fun. And uh, I miss uh, having the gym group and being able to do that. You know, I definitely didn't have to 
worried about doing all this free time before. I was very busy, but uh, you know, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's all part of running the gym, the business side, uh, you know, the teaching side, watching film and learning new technique to be able to bring it to all you guys, you know, it's all, uh, it's all really enjoyable. Yeah, no, I, I could see that, I, I, but it, but it, um, I mean, like you, like you said, you wouldn't rather be doing anything else. Is it like a dream job for you, uh, at this point? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's a dream job for me, but with uh, the virus and everything going on and seeing the effect it's having on gyms, it makes me think twice about making it a full-time thing as opposed to, you know, a hobby. Uh, it's crazy mm. seeing how. A uh, pandemic like this that nobody expected can be making so many small businesses close, putting them out of business, or you know, really ruining them financially. So, at one point, I was thinking about you know trying to quit my job and be able to run the gym full time, but I definitely have to uh, think about that some more, especially with how things have been the past couple of months. All right, so let's get into the fun stuff. Uh... Jiu-Jitsu, uh, MMA, we just talk technique, talk uh, situations, and uh, yeah, this is, I, I, I'm just going to pick your brain, like I said. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, why don't you detail your um, getting into martial arts and how you came up a little bit more? All right. Um, so I think the first martial art I actually did was like traditional Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. I... Uh, I was lifting at like a local weightlifting gym. One of the guys who I used to lift was like, hey, you should come try out jiu-jitsu, it's fun. And I got over there and it was more self-defense oriented than it was more like sport. You know, a lot of it was like the traditional martial arts. Uh, these moves are too dangerous to practice on your training partners because you could accidentally kill them. So, you know, we can't do them live. And uh, I did that for a little while and I really liked it, but I didn't like it. There wasn't as much life sparring as uh, I hoped to do. And that's where I ended up getting into, you know, college judo. You know, I had wrestled before that. I was used to wrestling live and it was my favorite sport. I loved it. And I was looking for something else to do like that after high school. And uh, a friend of mine got me into judo and that was, you know, it's very similar to jiu-jitsu except the rules are different. You know, you compete with Eon, you're working to throw your partner to the ground, submit them. Uh, but the idea is the same, it's grappling. So there's a lot of karaoke wrestling, a lot of karaoke jiu-jitsu. And I competed in that program. I did a, uh, a season of college wrestling uh, in between when I was doing judo. And then, uh, you know, someone from judo told me about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He pretty much sold it to me as being like judo, except with less rules, which was great. You know, there's a lot of rules in judo as far as grabbing the legs, you can't shoot a double leg or a single leg like you would in wrestling, that's illegal in judo. Mm-hmm. Pushing on the face, set up submissions, armbar and stuff like that is illegal. So I got into jiu-jitsu and, uh, you know, tried it for a while and it was everything I wanted, you know, it was a grappling arm where I could do submissions, it was less moves, and uh, I started competing and, you know, I loved it, it was great. So uh, I trained at Adrenaline Gym, it was under Team Link up in uh, Peekskill for a while. And then that gym closed down and I went to Gracie Thornwood and I trained there for years, got my uh, purple belt and then it closed down. And uh, I trained at, uh, that's when I started in French of Black Hole Jiu-Jitsu. I got my brown belt and black belt under Mike Wacker and then we opened up here in Westchester. So it's kind of been my journey up until where we are now. 
So uh, before we get into some other stuff, I, I think when I have BJJ guys on here, I, I don't really talk about the um, the mindset going into a competition. Um, what was that like for you? Would you be, uh, I'm assuming nervous, obviously, but how would you kind of uh, prep and hype yourself up to compete? I've never really gone into the competitions hyped up. You know, it's always something like up to it, you know, running through scenarios of, uh, you know, things that could go bad, which is definitely not a good, healthy mindset to compete. We always want to be, you know, envisioning how I'm going to win victory. So uh, my, my, my mindset going into competitions was never really great. But, um, you know, come day up, up I never really, like, I don't listen to music to pump myself up. I'm kind of just ready to go out there and get the job done, you know. Um, competing's fun, but at the same time, the stakes competing and, you know, how you roll in the gym are very different. People are out mm-hmm. there to finish the match by any means necessary. So sometimes in tournaments, you got to hurt people, you know, and that's not really, uh, I don't enjoy that. I like training. I like pushing as hard as I possibly can, training the best guys I can. But, uh, you know, in tournaments, the stakes are higher and people don't want to tap and it's it's really a different thing it's a different animal so i think for people to compete you really have to train for that and be ready for that yeah that's why i asked because um you know when we come back i'm definitely looking to um cross over into that um into that universe i guess because um you know competing at the white belt level and then we'll see where it goes from there but um yeah, it slips my mind to ask that. And I, I think I just have to find that for myself, how that ends up. But, um, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> well, I mean, the way, so what we would do to kind of get you ready for a competition is you'd simulate it in the gym. So you have people watching, you do whatever time limit the tournament you're competing in would be. We'd set that on the clock, score points and kind of get used to having people watching you, people keeping score you know, a different style of match. People in the gym will play around, they'll move through positions in a match. If someone gets in a good spot, you have to be ready for them to try to hold you there the entire time and not move. They're happy to stall on you. People don't, uh, people get up on points and not try to go for a submission. So you need to really be able to get a bad spots. You need to be able to uh, dictate the pace and try to get to your strongest positions as quickly as possible. You know, you want to go in with the game plan, which you're good at. And, uh, you're there. So if you, uh, you want to compete when you get back, we'll get you ready, get you, uh, you know, rolling with people who have competed a lot at that level and, you know, give you a taste of what you're looking for. Yeah, I'm excited to come back, um, you know, and, and uh, to get into some more of the classes. Um, I, I mean, we were only going like once or twice a week, but uh, just consistency, I think, is, is, is definitely a good thing to have. Um, but obviously so moving to yeah we'll, we'll talk about the relationship between wrestling and uh jiu-jitsu in the sense that when you were competing in mma obviously uh i think the best place to be in an mma fight as a, as a fan it looks like um it is probably the ability to take it to the ground and obviously control in top position um get in mount if you can and then it, if you you can just dictate the pace that way. Um, it seems like, can you speak to that at all as someone who, um, not only wrestled, but competed in MMA and has done jujitsu and, and kind of was able to use all that in the same, uh, 
in the same octagon, I guess, in the same ring. Yeah, so uh, you're spot on with that. A lot of our fighters, whether they had a wrestling background or whether they never wrestled scholastically or anything like that, we uh, really drill, you know, wrestling. Take downs out in the open, off of strikes, up against the king, and then you be able to decide what match goes. So the biggest thing we'll see with a lot of the MMA fighters, uh, like training with jujitsu guys or just training with MMA fighters, is they're very good at getting off the bottom. They're really hard to actually take down and keep on the floor because I'll keep fighting to get up. They won't accept and see the position. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, usually if you train a couple, you know, train for a couple of MMA fights, you're forced to learn to take people down. And uh, that's one of the big things you'll see out of the black hole programs. Really focused on wrestling and uh, you know being able to dictate where the match goes. It's just like you said, being able to put someone like you're going up against a good striker, being able to put them on the back. Um, you know, it wins you the match. Put them on their back, get the top half guard, you depend them, or even like you said, mount from the bad spot and start, uh, you know, scoring points and looking to finish the match. Is what you, want to do. you know, I think that uh, people who wrestled in high school and college have a huge advantage in amateur MMA, um, especially if they came from a good program and really know what they're doing. Um, you know, you could win tons of matches at the amateur level just on wrestling alone, being able to put someone on their back and control them. Um, it makes a world of difference. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, watching, <laughs> there's so many variables uh, standing up that you could just get caught, and then, um, but you eliminate that once you take it to the ground, obviously. So uh, I guess we'll transition here to what? What are some of your? Uh, I mean, you're you're at the highest level you can be, so. What are some of your most effective strategies uh, in, in a general? If you want to get specific, be my guest, but um, obviously don't give anything away if, if you don't want to. But uh, in a general sense, what are some of the most effective things you have used to uh, be successful in jiu-jitsu and, and MMA, I guess? Over the past like year and a half or two years competing, I've been working a lot of, uh, you know, like, pulling guard into entry, you know, a lot of the popular nogi uh, competitions strategy now involves right now the attack of the legs, attack mm-hmm. the front headlock, guillotine, and you know when people defend the neck from that position, being able to spin behind and take the back. But um, a big part of competing now too is a lot of the guys are working on the wrestling. You know, not even strictly from just like a stand, being able to level change and shoot well and set up more wrestling up the bottom position. So being good in the scrambles where you can, you know, grab a single leg off the bottom and work your way to top position without getting guillotine or, um, you know, counter wrestling, being able to really tire someone out when they take a shot on you or to attack their back or any scramble back to the feet. You know, it's uh, at the point jiu-jitsu is at now, you can't really be one-dimensional. All of the guys at the top level are very good and they, uh, they're good at a lot of different things. You know, you can't, just be a leg lock and you can get smashed, you can get your back taken, you can't just be a wrestler because guys are still good off at the bottom but they're going to get the buttons, you know, they just uh, really have to know how to do everything nowadays. So, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of my strategy has been pulling guard with the legs and, you know, finishing uh, in angles, heel hooks, but, um, you know, that's not always an option against guys who are better at leg attacks, so, you know, like with front head, you would back takes, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say exactly what uh, my strategy is to kind of take it. It varies on opponent. 
yeah, it yeah. really depends on what your opponent's strengths are and what uh, you know you're confident in doing against them. All right, so I, I think I could work off a more um, interesting question, I guess. If say you're competing, uh, I guess at your at your weight class, and it's a guy very similar, uh, as very similar build to you, which is um, big and long. So, uh, how, how are you attacking somebody who's more uh, similar to you in the sense that of, of size, and um, how would you attack somebody smaller to you, or uh, not attack but approach? Um, in a in a uh, in a match. So, are you talking when you say bigger or smaller? Are you saying taller or shorter, but the same weight, or are you saying like an absolute weight? Someone could be a really different weight class than an actual smaller person. Yeah, I, I would say smaller weight class because I know that's that's a possibility. So, uh, usually against people my size, if people are bigger and stronger, I like to uh, I like to look for two on one control and stand and work to like a butterfly guard and look to shoot. You know shooting for triangles, arm attacks, when people start to rip their arms out to defend, um, look to enter into the lens, kind of off balance and look from there. Uh, if I get a top position, I'll usually you know, try to cover them by the mouth. Um, you know, the last thing you want is to get in a good spot and lose it because you're too aggressive when you, you know, you go for something too quick. So a lot of competing against strong people who I don't want to be underneath is uh, once I get to a good spot where I can put some pressure really trying to punish them and tie them out and you know let them make mistakes to give the openings instead of uh, forcing something that can get countered um and against smaller people it's uh you know like i think an absolute match against someone who's like 130 pounds you know someone like that uh basically is not making a mistake you know the last thing you wanted to lose to someone who weighs 100 pounds less than you so mm-hmm. um we're playing slow tight conservative and make sure you don't you know, uh, mess with the left and legs or grab your neck in a tight fist strap and you can finish your guillotine on you. Um, but, you know, a lot of the times when I'm competing, just kind of, I go out there and I'm doing my thing. It's hard to think. I don't always go in with, uh, you know, a strict game plan. It's more of I know which positions I'm strong in and I try to force the map to where I'm strong and get my finishes. Yeah, I mean, there's a tons of things that in, in the months I've been doing jujitsu that I've that I've learned. I'm not uh, less a technique level and more just just how it works in the sense that, for example, a lot of it is when you're rolling, you can't go in with a um, and I've described it on the podcast here as, as a chess match. Um, it, it's human chess, I think, in, in the purest form, because you can't go in and say, I'm going to, you know, say I'm going to put my dad in the guillotine. What if he, what if he counters that pretty easily and he's able to slip out and then and then take my back and then what are you gonna do? You know, like and then, then you're stuck um, with your back taken and and, and then um, your plan is is uh, Kaputsky. so you, you kind of just have to go with the flow um, with varying levels of that, uh, obviously, because you can't just throw caution in the wind. But um, trust your instincts, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'd say if you, let's say you want to work guillotines for a day and that's your game plan, trying to just force it is hard, but I think a good method to kind of learn how to implement like a certain attack into your training is find a couple of different ways where you could set it up. So you would work a movement where their counter kind of puts them into the guillotine and then try to really, um, you know, work to that position and force that scenario against different opponents and see how they react and see how kind of ties into your game um, if the setup works if you need 
need to polish it up or if you need to scrap it and look for a different method because it really doesn't fit for you. You know, a lot of the time you just need to really like each training session commit to what you're trying to work on and what you're trying to learn and kind of train with a purpose. Um, so I guess the next topic would be, um, how, another thing I've learned is how many levels there is to this. Cause, uh, even at the white belt level, um, you know, you put out a, uh, instructional for the Americana on, on, um, on Facebook and, and on your YouTube. But, um, so me and my dad did that in the kitchen and I mean, there's so many things it's, the different angles, the progression from the scarf to uh, side control, uh, and then you, you bring the leg over, and then even the grip. I mean, you have to really work on that, the, the pull down, the crossover between your right and left arm. And then, um, you know, it's really that turn on, the, for me, it's turn on their left arm, and then uh, the pull down on the right, but it's that turn and pull on the same, uh, on the same beat that, but like I said, the, the example is, is just so many levels to that one move in Americana and to someone like you I mean it, it's uh, you know it's bread and butter at this point but uh, it, it, it's just interesting that it's so uh, uh, multiverse like that absolutely and when, when you go to teaching there's a lot of uh, little details like that where um, depending on the level of students you're teaching it really changes the way you teach the move you know like you just said there's um bunch of different you know directions and forces that come into position that movement but if you were teaching it to a day one beginner um you'll leave a lot of those details out because if you give them too many of the finishing details they forget the big movements that are important to get them into that spot and they only focus on the less than you showed so that's a big part of teaching is kind of tailoring the class to who's there and what they really need to pick up that day you know if i to show that series like the uh, pushing ahead step over to the Americana software that you were talking about. Um, the way I threw it to a white belt who's been training for two months versus how I'd show it to a blue belt versus how I show it to a purple brown or black belt who is going to use it to set up something else because they know the person is defending this. Um, it's going to be different at each level, you know, just based on, uh, you know, the amount of time in and people's abilities to really take in the details and be able to do all of them or just do some of them. You know, maybe you just show them one detail because anything more than that would kind of overload some of this newer and take everything in for the first time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I know in my experience at the gym, um, you know, Eddie has left some stuff out for me, but, um, you know, in, in the best interest of the move and try to get the fun, because that's a fundamentals class, but um, to, to really get the fundamentals in. Um, but what was the other thing I want to talk about? Uh, oh, that was it. Oh yeah, no, we could we could continue on on the guillotine, I guess. Um, so so say I mean say you get your opponent on on top position, you're on bottom. Uh, you can flow your grip under, uh, controlling the head and neck, obviously at, at that point. Um, and depending on but depending on the strength of the opponent, like for example. Everybody at uh, Black Hole uh, Westchester is bigger than me, and um, <laughs> I, I think everybody from Donnie to 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 you, it, 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 I, I think I'm, I'm the smallest and one of the lesser skilled by default, just because I haven't been going that long. 
but say they're stronger, um, and in Donnie's case, probably faster, um, they can either muscle their way out or, or shimmy out with, with, with a, with a very, um, with, through your hips. Should, should you turn on your side to trap them and kind of pin them with your weight or, um, but that can leave you exposed as well because then you can get um, fully trapped on your back and then it opens a bunch of different things up. So, I mean, that's another move that there's a bunch of levels to. So, you, uh, if you're bringing up the guillotine like that, I think that's one where you can really dedicate a lot of time to uh, understanding it, how it works. But in your case, like you said, people are stronger than you. They're able to just like turn and spin out. Um, a lot of it is going to be understanding how to finish that choke from each direction because the guillotine is one where you can finish it from the bottom mm-hmm. you can finish it with you guys on your side you can finish it from the top um, you can follow that purpose but if it's somebody who's bigger and they're trying to move their body to get out of it instead of fighting their hands you can chase them all of these different positions while you stay connected and that really work on how to stay tight and secure it um, and that's something we can go over when you get back but um, I even put a series out this week um, we're working from butterfly guard into like a position that they call snap punch. You're starting on your bottom, and the person on top is kind of sitting back, not engaging. So you come up with like a standing base and punch into them, where if they stay where they are, you can come up to top position. If they push back in, they kind of give you the energy to snap their head right into a guillotine. But the grip would be a little bit different. So this is one where if your training partners are stronger, this will work pretty well. Uh, what you're looking to do is when you snap them down, instead of a traditional guillotine grip, which takes, you know, a lot of squeeze. Mm-hmm. You're pumping their head into your armpit and burying your head in here and then um, putting pressure upwards. So it's almost like a front rear naked choke. And that's one that you could do with someone who's a lot bigger than you. And just with the leverage of the position, would be able to finish very easily. I'd say, um, I think I posted it two days ago or three days ago, but I would take a look at that one. Definitely. Um, for finishing details for you and then um, kind of playing around with if like you're practicing with your dad if he turns to his side to run out of it following him to both of you guys on your side following him to mount getting to finish in these different positions you can kind of build your entire jiu-jitsu game around that idea yeah yeah like i said so many levels and and that's something that um i have to work on just a lot a lot of a lot of it is really just soaking in um to your, to your um, brain and then you have to immediately apply it because there's so much going on that it, it'll go out uh, if you if you don't apply it that day um, but uh, what was I gonna, what else was I going to say yeah I, I think there's just um, so many levels to I, I use that word a lot but at, at, at black hole specifically for me like I said everybody's bigger than me so it's interesting um, to try to work out. I've been working out um, how to maybe beat that specific mold of jujitsu player. But again, there's dynamic levels of like you. Like if I run with you, it's not only higher skill level uh, just, just by belt rank and uh, experience, but you're a little more docile and patient than say Mike would be. Um, so, so there's different molds, even with the bigger guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, that's the nice thing about jujitsu, and you know, having a lot of people to train with is that you get a lot of different looks. You know, people who are aggressive, people who are patient, people who are stronger, weaker, you know, longer, shorter. 
Um, you get a bunch of different styles, and that, that's the cool thing about it is there's a lot of individuality. individuality. It's, you know, everyone has their own game and their own style. And, uh, you get to look at a lot of different things. So, uh, you know, that, uh, that brings a lot of fun to, you know, like learning. Yeah, if you learn a move of the day, really try to go for it in training and try to, you know, see if it works and you implement it into your brain. Because if you hit a lot of classes a week, you learn different stuff every class. And it's really easy to have that information in one ear and in the other. So, um, you know, really trying to drill the positions you work on and force them in live training, make a big difference. All right. Um, I think that's, that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm out of stuff to ask you. I only wrote some, uh, I, I wrote a bunch of general notes about, um, obviously the questions and then, uh, more specific stuff about the moves, but, uh, I have nothing else. I, I think, um, obviously that, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's a very big, uh, you know, hopefully we're able to get the gym back open in the new spot soon. And we're just seeing you and your dad in here training hard. Yeah, I'm excited. And I definitely want to get in there more. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it for today's, uh, pod. But before you, I uh, let you go, Dan, why don't you just let people know where to find you on social media, where to find the gym. If you're, cause a lot of a uh, listener base is local. If you want to come, if you want to come train, come check it out. Some classes. Uh, I'd imagine you're more than welcome. Um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the new gym is at 2305 Earl's You know, it's a 3,000 square foot facility. We have uh, weightlifting equipment, mats. We're going to have, you know, boxing, kickboxing, kids' jiu-jitsu. Uh, we have a jiu-jitsu program, wrestling. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot here. And if you want to come get an idea of what we're all about, you could find us on YouTube. You could search for Daniel Fazino or for Black Hole uh, BJJ Westchester. You'll find that. We're also on Instagram at Black Hole BJJ Westchester and on Facebook at uh, Black Hole Westchester. So, uh, yeah, we're putting out a lot of instructional content. We have some highly real tournaments up there. So if you're looking to see what Jiu-Jitsu is all about and, uh, you know, learn a little bit to have a head start for when you come in, you know, uh, check it out. You know, thank you for having me, Frankie. Yep. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Hopefully. See you later. Big thanks to Dan, um, Coach Dan, for me now. Um, coming on the podcast, uh, and if, if it sounds like a very uh, green white belt talking to a very experienced black belt, that's because it is. And um, I just picked his brain about jujitsu in the second half. I mean, we talked about a bunch of things, positions, moves, uh, Americana, guillotine, and um, guard positions, for example, but, and also the business aspect of this, how COVID is impacting him as a business owner, owning the Westchester chapter of Black Hole, and, uh, yeah, I had all the fun again talking to Dan, and I hope to get back in the gym with him and the guys pretty soon. So, uh, Thrive Fantasy is a brand new DFS fantasy app 
Um, they have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by only using top-tier athletes instead of the traditional salary cap format. You build your lineup around a list of prop bets for each contest you need to do. Choose 10 of the 20 prop bets plus two ice uh, picks, which uh, will protect you from late scratches or postponed games. Each unique uh, prop has an over or under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded um, that point value if the prop is correct. For example, will Brady throw for over or under 250 yards? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you build your team score around the amount of correct props you select. Now, I know I guessed out at the end of that. That's a mouthful. However, use code Clubhouse um, for $10 upon your first sign-up. Obviously, with the uh, coronavirus going around, there's not much sports going on. UFC just canceled. I was going to throw that in as maybe a possible prop bet you could throw in on Thrive Fantasy. But uh, no longer. They have a couple esports things. But it should be like June, July. I think things are calming down now. So sports will eventually come back. And um, you can use uh, Thrive Fantasy to win yourself some money. So um, hop on that trend. And... Thanks for listening.